It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Got him with a breaking ball. Big strikeout for Big Mike. Here's a drive to right field. Garver sending it deep to the wall and gone a home run. The right field corner and deep and gone. Miguel Sano with a two-run home run. And Arise has reached all five times today. His third hit mixed in with a couple of walks. And this one will go for extra bases. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I'm so excited for today's show for one main reason. We've got statements, we've got talking twins, and then some bonus talking twins on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed a little bit later. But I'm very excited because I think throughout statements and talking twins today, this is going to be the ultimate philosophical test for Judd Zolgad. <laughs> After the twins took two of three against a really good National League foe, a lot of good things over those three games, also a lot of reasons to potentially hover over the panic button. And so I'm very interested to see how Judd Zolgad approaches the two out of three successful series against Milwaukee here. And I guess we'll we'll find out as we start with statements here in, in just a second. Twins cl- clearly came out and said everything's fine. Okay, so I'm just buying in. Everything's fine. I feel nothing. But every, but I have had might be fine. I have Ar- Luis Arise might be the third baseman that we uh, never knew we needed Arise. for 162. The most important games. thing that the most important thing that I, I had done over the weekend is this: a Twins lobotomy. So I don't have it. I have no concerns now. I have no concerns at all. I went and got, I, I had the thinking part of my brain is gone. So now that was a fantastic series. I mean, are you talking about Donaldson and Bucks? It's fine. Okay. Like it's going to be 10 days. Donaldson's going to be back in 10 days. Buxton. I mean, he probably just had an upset tummy. All right. So hold on. So pause it. We'll get to it. Let's say hi to our friends at Dennis Kirk to start the show here. Mackie and Judd, uh, De- Dennis Kirk has been a supporter of us uh, going back to the, I believe, the beginning of the 2020 twin season. And they've been supporting motorcycle riders and whatever you ride, whether it's a Harley, a a cruiser, sport bike. They are the best in the business, and uh, they are here with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets. You order before 8 p.m., and Dennis Kirk ships the same day. Plus, shipping is free on orders over $89. DennisKirk.com, riding season, did I hear 80 degrees potentially today oh, or tomorrow? Well, uh, Saturday I think we hit 80, and I have a statement on that that involves my face being very red. But, yes, it is, it's been nice. very warm. It's been very warm. Yeah. So ri- riding season. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to be – it's supposed to be gorgeous today, and I think then it's supposed to get a little bit cooler. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a 60% chance of rain for Thursday, which, of course, is the opener, we'll the home yeah, 60% chance of Byron Buxton raining a home run to left field That's after right. he cle- clears whatever oh, illness Oh, there's no question he'll play over here. I'm not worried about that. Uh, DennisKirk.com, everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, let's start with Judd Zolgad here. Every Monday, statements from the weekend lead us off, sir. What do you got? What's statement number one? Okay, statement one, and this could lead to a, a lengthy discussion, but statement one uh, encapsulates my time on the couch on Saturday. Saturday night was the best sports clicking night and viewing night for a sports fan in Minnesota in forever. Okay? I give you one, two, three. I give you five reasons why. Twins Brewers, Brios and Burnus, absolute classic pitchers duel. I mean, great stuff. Wolves Sixers, not terrible. 
The Wolves the Wolves hung like it was not a terrible game. It was not a complete shellacking at all. So they lose, but still, Jalen Suggs lifts Gonzaga with that last second, and I do mean last second, buzzer beater shot to beat UCLA in what was a classic game. The Wild sweeps Vegas. Like, this is all going on at the same time. And then Eden Prairie in the AA Boys Hockey Final in two overtimes beats Lakeville South. So you had basically the ultimate, I mean, a year ago at this time, we were like on Netflix trying to find something to watch because there was nothing going on. And you had five things on Saturday night that in, that in some way, shape, or form involved Minnesota sports. It was glorious. Yeah, the J- the, the Jalen Suggs thing, man, I got a couple statements on that. I will say, and, and I'll give you my full review a little bit later here uh, on statements, but... I was actually uh, at, at, I was going to say Safeco Field. It's now T-Mobile Park or T-Mobile Stadium is where the Mariners play now. Mm-hmm. And I was making my first appearance at that stadium. And it was like, I mean, it was, they won like, the Mariners won like 5 nothing. They played the Giants and, you know, it was just kind of a nondescript baseball game. But at some point in the middle of the game, and there was like probably 8,000 fans scattered throughout and it was, it was very safe. The roof was open, everything. And there was just a massive cheer in like the sixth inning. And like looking around, oh, uh, Gonzaga, right yeah. Well, Gonzaga, Gonzaga is the team yep. in Washington. And uh, when Jalen Suggs hit that shot, like a bunch of people were watching on their smartphones and were freaking out. So I, I think it would be fun if he wound up somehow in a Timberwolves uniform, uh, run it back the way that they tried to with Tyus Jones. I think Jalen Suggs a little more NBA talent than Tyus Jones, but. Yeah, fun. It was a fun clicking night on Saturday. Fantastic. In sports. Mm-hmm. All right. Statement number one for me. All right. I'm going to pick one of those things from clicking night on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid continues to get the last laugh on Carl Anthony Towns. And so you might say, what do you mean? What do you mean? Cat had the nasty dunk that's making the rounds on Instagram. Like I scrolled through Instagram on Sunday morning. It was like every other post was, oh, my God, want to see a dead body? Look what Cat <laughs> did to Joel Embiid in that game. And Cat put up one of the better stati- – we saw him drop 50 against the Hawks one time. Judd and I were at a game. Yep. Um, this was like one of the best statistical nights of Cat's career, 39, 14, and 5. And he's been getting clowned by Embiid publicly on social media. They haven't played each other because of injuries for like two years. Um, but like so, all of those things are great. But in the end, Embiid Sixers beat the Wolves by nine points in that game. And the wolf, like the Wolves, they come close. They put up a fight. Cat dunks on Embiid. Cat puts up thirty nine. And then in the end, it's still Embiid's whatever shot he wants to take. He right. can say, "Oh, that's great. You fill the stats. Congratulations. Right, You're still soft." Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, 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 Towns did have some very interesting self-reflective things to say after the Memphis loss, the the first leg of the back-to-back losses on Friday, when he said, "I proved myself in this league. I truly believe that. I don't have to prove myself anymore. Now, what I've got to do is prove that I can win." And I I heard that quote. It's like a three-minute clip. It's you, know, you can find the full version, I think, on their website. Um, and I, I just I saw a guy who he 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 sort of sees like, okay, I need to transition from just being a stat-stuffing guy to being a guy that can be the driving force for winning. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he has figured out how to do that yet. And so it's a lot of I I I. I think he's just sort of paralyzed by what people think of him now. Mm-hmm. And that and then the next night he takes out those frustrations with a thirty-nine fourteen night performance. Of course, they lose, and so I'm torn. I love that it be based. I that he set uh, the box score, and and um, and they still lose all these games. So, what were your guys' thoughts? I uh, yeah, you know what I um so Cat's ability to be self reflective post game goes back to I think his fir- first year when, when he tried to uh, accept responsibility for every single defeat. And like the first two or three times I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And then I thought, dude, you are saying what you think we want to hear. You're not saying like, you can't take responsibility. He was taking responsibility for things like he was on the bench for. Um, and so post game cat is super reflective about things and it's interesting, but at some point in time to me, it's so consistent that it begins to mean less and less and less. And so, is what he says post game right? Yes. Does he believe it and really hear himself? I don't know. And I don't think so at times. 
So, like, that that whole thing after the Grizzlies loss again was, yeah, it's great you say this, but then, but now go out and deliver. And I don't mean with a big box score. Like, we fall too in love at times with Cat's box scores. We're like, oh, Cat is Cat. Oh, okay, this is it. Um, Kevin Love. Yeah. If he's going to deliver on what he's saying, what he's really saying is, I need to be an absolutely key part of guiding this team to success no matter what the box score is, right? So I just, I long ago grew really weary of a guy who's really, I mean, he's a smart dude. He knows what he should say, but there's, that's a long step away from delivering on what you do say about, you know, your team or your play. Uh, so the Sixers sc- box score was good or is great. The game was actually fun, which is all fine. Uh, but I don't know that Carl yet understands this. That what he's saying takes a lot of work. Like I think he sort of tries to will things into existence, and it doesn't always translate. That's the next step for for me. Is I don't care what you tell me, show me, Declan. Yeah, first statement for me. Uh, I'll start with the baseball one, and it's take the wins how you get the wins. So obviously on opening day, we had a kerfuffle in the ninth inning and they lost in extras and it was a bad one. But on Saturday and Sunday, you had a masterful pitching performance from Jose Barrios. Mm. Michael Pineda, Big Mike, was also pretty dang good on Sunday as well. I know Byron Buxton left for mysterious reasons. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, Josh Donaldson's on the injured list. There's already kind of a, a cloud hanging over this Twins team a little bit. There's some people that are saying, what are you talking about? You took two out of three from a very good National League team. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Buxton's okay. But right now they're winning baseball games. Max Kepler got off this night from that bad spring training. This pitching has been damn good. So for right now, take the wins how you get the wins. And I'm happy the Twins are 2-1. and one. They kick things off in Detroit this afternoon. What is, real quick here, because there, there were a lot of things to be panicked about there were a lot of things to highlight i think um of the good things that happened over the weekend what's what's the best thing for you guys that happened over the weekend that you would cling to uh pitching starting pitching i thought starting pitching right i mean and obviously that a lot of that has to do with barrios's massive performance on saturday but big mike was good maeda was was a little off but i think obviously still effective um i think the pitching was the most encouraging thing that i saw from the first three games Real quick, one one thing to note too. I mean, it's been a while, but Mike Mike Pineda used to be one of the best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball for like a couple of years, and then arm troubles. And he went to the Yankees, and he's more known for being the guy who's now been suspended for various things, like the pine tar on the neck incident, and then the yeah. the diuretic or whatever he was hit with, you know, a couple of years ago. So he's you know he's got this stain on his Major League resume, but he's when he's fully healthy, he's legitimately a really good starting pitcher, and the and the Twins have seen some of that. So he's a great that was, three. That was good to see. It's a great. Mm-hmm. Th- he he has proven that if he is again, this all comes to me back to slotting people into the the correct roles that make them the most successful or give them the best chance to be successful. Mike Pineda as a three is really good. He's really good, and so yeah. Um, I would say for me, the best thing that I saw what was arise looks to be at least. Small sample size alert. Three games. Uh, he looks to be back to being the same guy approach-wise at the plate that he was in 2019. Because his 2020, he got hurt in in their training camp. And I don't really think he recovered fully. And he did not look the same consistently at all at the plate in 2020. He looked damn good. He looked really good. And the guy, I mean, the guy flat out can take good at bats. He, he can. He's got that ability. So uh, mm-hmm. m- my next statement. Speaking of the things that I questioned over the weekend from the Twins and from the manager in particular, let Jose Barrios pitch the seventh inning. And I'm going to be very clear here because people are trying to confuse this on purpose to cover Rocco's ass a little bit. Let Barrios pitch the seventh. It's not the no-hitter that I was after, okay? It's the fact he was at 84 pitches and furthermore, looked absolutely dominant and great when you took him out. He had 12 strikeouts. The quick hook, which I can go back to, of course, in the playoff game, okay? And I understand what the philosophy is here. And I understand Rocco and Falvey and Levine probably flat out disagree with me. 
But you as executives and managers need to show progress in your learning curve for in-game feel. You, you, their wow. in-game feel, in-game feel. No, this is incredibly important. This is incredibly important. This goes, this goes back to not walking um, the Brewers hitter on Thursday in the tenth. Okay, Rocco is a really smart dude, and Rocco, as far as approach, knows exactly what Rocco wants. But is Rocco learning? Does he have? a feeling for the biorhythms of the game as it's going on. And the answer to the question is not completely, not even close. Jose Barrios, and and on TV yesterday, they were defending him because if you extrapolated uh, the pitch count for Barrios, right, and you took him through the ninth, it was going to be, I think the extrapolation was like 130 or something. I'm not asking for that. What I'm asking for is there was no reason not to give him the seventh as well. And it's not about Barrios. It's about the manager, and it's about the philosophy of being able to feel the game itself. Because what's the what's the problem here? It's not it's not Saturday's game, you guys. The problem here is the playoffs, and the playoffs are where there's pressure on you to not make a mistake. All right, and it's a, the pressure is on you as well to have a feel for what you're doing inside that single game itself. In a nutshell, so I agree. With I, I'm sort of fifty fifty on on what you just said. So the part that I agree with is baseball, not just the Twins, but like most baseball organizations have gone way too far toward this is the statistical move that we make in this situation, regardless of feel, instinct, or any other form of evidence. Right? Like especially in the playoffs, where. I can see in the regular season, listen, we're taking the long play here. We just, like, we got to get through six months. And, like, I, it's actually, to me, it's more justifiable to pull Barrios in that first regular season game after 84 pitches than it is in a playoff oh, game. Agree, in a com- playoff game, agree, like, completely. you lose the game, no, you're done, right? You you are 1,000% right there. I agree with yeah, that completely. So it's more, def- it's more defensible this weekend. And, of course, their argument would be, well, t- you know, I mean, Taylor Rogers came in and struck out the side. Not the and, and And so, I mean... You know, that doesn't happen every time. Obviously, we've seen Taylor Rogers hiccups. So, what the, the the part where I would disagree is with Barrios in particular. I just want I wanted to find this so I was sure that I was right about this. Last year, for instance, third time through the order. So first first two times through the order, first time through the order, OPS against of five ninety two, which is like three hundred points or two hundred fifty points below major league average. Mm-hmm. Second time through the order. Uh, a 708 OPS. So just like the first two times through the order last year for Brios, he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And then the third time through the order, a 905 OPS. So it just spikes on him. Now that's a little bit of a small sample size. I bet if you were to look at his whole career, it's probably a similar story in that it's just like first, second, third time through. Most pitchers, if not all pitchers, are going to be worse the third time through. And then it comes down to, all right, is their third time through still better than like our fourth reliever. In this case, the Twins brought in their second or third best reliever, maybe yes. even their best reliever. Yes. So these are all pieces of the puzzle. In general, I think if they're just going to say, listen, he's never going to face a lineup the third time through, just like we just feel super uncomfortable with that, then I would say that's too rigid. Well, there's going to be some nights where he has no-hit stuff, and it's going to be easier to win the game with him going an extra inning or two than hoping that three or four relievers are all on their A game. You know, and you need, but here's okay with Maeda, Barrios, and maybe Pineda as well. You also need in-game empowerment of them. And Jose Barrios was so good on on Saturday. If he's your fourth or fifth starter, I honestly don't care because this has nothing to do with with the player, um, as it does with your feel for the game and the situation. And what Rocco was allowed to do by making that move with no repercussions in that game is he was allowed to establish bad habits that he has by being, to Phil's word, too rigid consistently and not adapting to that game. I'm talking about let's start to see these games as single games, situations, so not philosophical views. Philosophical views are fine. But what's the problem, you guys? We're getting to the playoffs, and Rocco is treating playoff game one, two, three, if he gets there. He's treating those like Saturday's game. I need progress here. 
from the people in charge. And we could have seen it by allowing Barrios to get at least one more inning. And if he falls apart there, if he starts to, it's not the world does not come to an end. So I'm far more talking about Rocco's approach here and what I think we need to see than like just one um because you know, if you get to I don't know, if today, if the guy who starts for the twins pitches great and he's through the sixth, and he, you know, if you take him out, I don't care. I don't care on that one. What I care about is when we're talking about your top players how you treat them, because they're going to be the ones that you're going to have to make decisions on in huge games. By the way, put some respect on uh, Matt Shoemaker's name there, okay? <laughs> oh, the, Matt the, Shoemaker. The guy, the guy's the guy start today. Hey, the gonna, Listen, you know man. what? He might be, who knows? He might be He might be with Cleveland by June. Disrespect. Matt Shoemaker. Disrespect. Thank you very much. Um, Dex, did you did you have any thoughts? Uh, I, I, Judd and I sort of, like, we agree a little bit here. Um, I, I don't, I'm not as worked up about that game him being pulled especially mm-hmm. when you're going if you're just if you're going to like Cody Stashak who by the way comes in for Big Mike and gives up a bomb yesterday um, I hate to pick on him but like if you're going to Taylor Rogers I'm fine with it what do you sure. think Dex well you pointed out with the with basically every pitcher through the third tenth of the order that he's going to be worse than he was to the first two times so every pitcher is going to be like this no no starting pitcher becomes instantly better through the third time through the order fourth time etc. So that's where the judgment has to come in. That's where you have to figure out, do you want to bring in Taylor Rogers, who's a flamethrower and he's probably your best reliever? All right, I can hear it a little bit more. You also have to feel out, what is Jose Barrios doing? Is he shoving right now? Is he just lights out through five innings and he's still at 85 pitches? Then try him out one more time. That's where the judgment, I think, has to come in. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get too worked up about it on game two of the regular season. At the same time, that's where Baldelli has had his biggest warts with me, is just the fact that... He has such a quick hook, and I think it relies way too heavily on analytics, and it, you have to just blend that with your judgment and eye test, and for whatever reason, he tends to defer with his brain more than uh, the judgment call. So, ah, it's a, it's a tough spot to be. That's fine. I will say, on the on the Barrios front, all right, just to put more focus on his performance in particular, here's my, here's my next statement. I think this is the year where Jose Barrios realizes his full potential. And I was sort of leaning that direction before the season, and then we saw this out of the gate, and it was like, all right, like that's the way that he looked, the way that he threw. Sometimes he gets a little bit nibbly in certain spots. I mean, he just attacked with every pitch, and the sixteen swinging strike—that's always a big one too—is he missing bats? So he has the potential to be one of the ace starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. And uh, and as Declan and I said on on one of the, the talking twin segments last week, sometimes this would be if if it's going to happen. Like there's, a, there's there are track records that suggest across the history of baseball that this is a, is an interesting age to watch for a breakout. So I think this is the year Jose Barrios finally gets to that next top top level. Does he pitch well in August? That's my question. Get him through that month, and I'm with you. <laughs> Like, he gets to that month, and it's always like, oh, what happened? So, yes, if if he can put together just a solid, complete season that includes an August that's not a train wreck, I'm on board. Absolutely. All right. Declan? Yep, next statement here. I'll go. This ball's our local hockey team. It is yes. Wild Knights, seven-game series. Let's go. So, the Wild beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights again on Saturday night. That's four wins in a row. Over Vegas, they've played each other six times. The Wild have won four games. Four of those games have been one-goal games. Two of them have gone to overtime. This has the makings of a phenomenal playoff seven-game series. If they line up against Colorado, I think they get absolutely smoked, and it's done in five. That Maybe the Wild steal one, but the Colorado Avalanche would smoke them. For whatever reason, pun intended, uh, Las Vegas with the Wild, they just seem to match up super well, and I think the depth of the team in general is still a lot better than Minnesota, but Minnesota gives them fits, dude. And I think it'd be a heck of a lot of fun to watch those two teams meet in the playoffs. And I'm curious to see where it goes. But yeah, they'll play two more times, I believe, before the season ends. But I yeah, think I you're, right. you're going to see these two teams in the NHL playoffs, and it's going to be a real fun series. I hope so. It'd be great. It'd be absolutely fantastic. And they, they've got a chance there. Do, I, do you, I feel like against the Avs, they don't. But against the uh, but against the uh, Knights, they do. Yes, Phil? Do you guys sort of like... I know it's, it's just a, a weird... COVID schedule, but do you yeah. guys sort of like the unbalanced schedule where yes. you're 
Like you sort oh, of get, you get a chance to build these rivalries, right? And and guess what? I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's Vegas is a weird rival, but they're you know maybe yeah. they're turning into a rival. And and because of that, at least partially, more fights too. We're seeing way more fights this year. Way more fights. You know why? Hatred. There's more hatred. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, my yeah. my next statement has nothing to do with uh, fisticuffs or pugilists. I've never seen a celebration for a guy being yanked for a game because he's sick as the celebration that we seem to see yesterday when the word came out that Byron Buxton had been removed early from the Twins-Brewers game because of a non-COVID-related illness. I have never seen a guy get yanked. I mean, it's Buxton still. And, you know, the Twins, it's not not like the Twins are exactly um, always 100% forthcoming when it comes to guys being hurt and what's wrong and how long that they might be out. Uh, but the celebration that we saw of, oh, thank God, it's, it, it appears he just has an intestinal issue or something like that, was off the charts for the fact that he still had to leave the game. And we're still not exactly sure what was wrong. Yeah, what did you, I mean, my initial <laughs> thought was, okay, well, this is terrible. Like, obviously, he's he's it looks like he's turning a corner to start the season. Now he's out. Uh, but when they came back and said, "All right, he's sick, but it's not COVID," yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, "Okay, like, is it food poisoning? Like, you know, is it a migraine?" I'm always assuming that it's something that's yeah. going to knock him out for like 45 days because that's been the story of his career. Yes, but sounds but minor. That, I don't know, but that's my point. Is until until I see him playing again, I'm not going to be saying, "Oh, it's just great. It was just something very very small." You don't know that. And with Buxton, nothing ordinarily is small. So um, I just thought it was, I thought that the excitement about the fact of, thank God it's only this. It's like, okay, let's get him back first and let's see him play. And then, and then we can be thankful that it was not, you know, I don't know, COVID or a strained hamstring. Take your pick. Yeah. I mean, the the twins, I guess this, here, this is, this will be my next statement off the back of the music. The Twins are really good, but they're also the most physically and maybe sometimes mentally fragile good team in Major League Baseball. Like the, on the mental side, just the way that they melt down in the playoffs. But Josh Donaldson out for some stretch of time. Byron Buxton, like you can't, you can't just play three games to start the season. You know, some, some, something something has to happen. You know, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying. Right. So uh, I don't know. It's it's it, it can be annoying for sure. All right, Declan. Yeah. Final statement for me, as I teased a little bit at the beginning, don't forget your sunscreen. That is my final statement. Do not forget your sunscreen on Saturday. It was uh, yeah, a high of 80 here in Minneapolis, Phil. Um, I did some patio hopping, hopping, and I got burned. I had this great view uh, right on St. Anthony, Maine, facing Stone Arch, sun beaten down. I was loving it, don't get me wrong. But after about two hours, my fair Irish skin starts to kick in here. And that is why I have a pretty gnarly sunburn on my face and neck and also some shoulders here. Uh, so, yes, although it's great to be outside, Minnesotans, do not forget your sunscreen or uh, it could be a really, really bad time. Wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> Wouldn't have thought of that, yeah. Declan. Me making poor decisions uh, while, like... while patio hopping? I don't know. Now on Mackie and John. If you wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. All right, this is... This is going to be very difficult for Judd Zolgad here because I think I think you're you're probably a little more red flag panicky about the bad things that happened over the weekend than Declan and I. Declan and I are just out drinking seltzers yep. and it, listen, just peace, love, and baseball, man. Whether whether Donaldson's out for you know fourteen days or whether he's out for the rest of his career, Declan and I are just loving the baseballs back. So right. we're going to go with the pie chart of praise here for the Twins taking two out of three. Mm-hmm. and uh, bouncing back from a debacle late-inning meltdown in Game 1 against the Brewers. We'll start with Judd. What is your Twins take the opening series against the Brewers? Pie chart of praise. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right. Starting from the bottom, pie chart of praise. And by the way, I'm not panicky here. I'm not panicky. I, I just... <laughs> I just see, you know what? I just, it's the problem is I don't believe, I don't believe what the twins tell us about injuries. So I'm ske- I'm skeptical. That's the word. I'm skeptical. Let's see here. Starting at the bottom. 10%. 10% goes to the starter on Sunday, Michael Pineda. 
Michael Pineda threw a very nice game. He was, he was, you know what? He is reliable if he's not suspended. He's very, he is. <laughs> well, I mean, Rocco's was t- talking about he's he's reliable and you can always count on Big Mike. And I was going to say, how about that one time that he was pitching super well and in September got pinched for the rest of the season? That's not yeah. reliable, Rocco. <laughs> but anyway, Big Mike gets 10%. 10%, also in fairness, goes to a guy who had a very nice series and a very strong game on Sunday. And this is part of, because I was very concerned about this. I shared this concern before opening day last week, Max Kepler. Max Kepler came back, and I guess what Kepler said was, and who knows if this is true or not, he said, I was trying a bunch of different stuff in spring training, but now I'm back to the old Max because that did not work, where I believe he had two or three hits in the entire spring. So 10%, Max Kepler, he looked good. He looked good at the plate. He certainly did not look lost, and it was certainly not what I feared. All right, that's 20%. 10% goes to Byron Buxton. Because before he left with with a mysterious, I guess at this point, non-COVID-related illness, Buxton homered in Game 1 on Thursday, hit an absolutely crucial home run on Saturday. Among my statements before he had to leave was, this is finally the Buxton that we've been waiting for. Like at the plate, he look, right now at the plate, he looks fantastic. Like, he looks like the guy that for years we were like, what's with his leg kick now, right? And, and you know, go back three years. Everyone and their brother was telling Byron what to do with the plate, and Byron would try and do it, and then he would adapt this, and then he would do this, and then Tori would come along. Oh, no, no, do this. Byron Buxton right now at the plate has an approach. He looks great. He's got power. Uh, also, before he left the game on Sunday, I believe it was in the first, he doubled Byron Buxton 10%. Who knows? you. 20%. Luis Arise. Luis Arise, leadoff spot, is an on-base machine right now. And this goes back to the, the way he's playing, as we talked about in statements to me. This looks like the Arise who got right or wrong compared to Carew. Like, if you look at how the approach and how he looks and the comfort and, and his ability to work counts... This was a great three-game start, and so he, he gets 20%. So now I'm at, what, 10, 20, 30, 50, 20%, up to 70, Jose Barrios. That start on Saturday was awesome, and that pitching duel was great. How much fun was that to watch? Two starters, toe-to-toe. Yes, they both got pulled, but nonetheless— what they both gave us, and I think I think it was 11 strikeouts on the Brewers' side, 12 strikeouts for Barrios, was absolutely baseball theater at its best. I love that stuff. 20% Barrios, great start. And 30%, so my biggest piece of pie, this might surprise you because it's it blew up a little bit on Thursday, but overall, the bullpen. The bullpen was was damn good. In fact, let's see here. I did the stats. So in the last two games. I love it. Just scoring these games. Yep. Last two games uh, on Saturday and Sunday, the bullpen, seven seven in, innings pitched, two hits, a run, two walks, 10 strikeouts in 11 and two-thirds over the three games, 14 strikeouts. So 30% to the bullpen, 20% to Arise, 20% to Barrios, 10% to Kepler, 10% to Buxton, and 10% to Michael Pineda. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I like. It. I think. Uh, I'm, I think we're probably going to have some overlapping themes in our pie charts here. By the way, sure. Mackie and Judd talking Twins every single day, breaking Twins games down like they are football games. If you want Twins discussions, the Mackie and Judd podcast feed and the Score North YouTube channel are the places for you. And my pie chart is presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Not only has Federated been protecting business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years, but they have had close partnerships with many Minnesota sports teams. And so if you're a Minnesota sports fan and a business owner all-in-one, Federated is the company for you. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com. I don't think they help with hamstring and calf risk (laughs) management. Maybe they should. Maybe they should look into. I was going to uh, say, can they business. do that? We'll I think they should. 
We'll see. <laughs> so uh, federatedinsurance.com, click on My Shield or uh, download the Federated Insurance app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right. I have five slices of pie. Pie chart appraised for the twins here. Wow. That's a lot for you. Yeah, wow. It is. Let's give 10% to Rocco Baldelli for his ability to foresee potential hurdles before they pop up as a great string-pulling manager. The fact that Rocco <laughs> can look at six no-hit, near-perfect innings from Jose Barrios and say, everybody wants me to leave him in and go for the no-hitter, but I know that he was really bad third time through the order last year. Let's bring in Taylor Rogers to keep the momentum going, to tack on three more strikeouts. People are going to criticize me. People are going to criticize me, Rocco Baldelli, because they feel like I'm I'm pulling the trigger too early on getting Jose Barrios out of this game. Let him come out, come out there for the seventh and the eighth and see if he can stretch the no-hitter. But Rocco Baldelli, 10% for just knowing what strings to pull at the right time. Puppet master. <laughs> Absolute puppet master. Uh, I'm going to go 10% to spring training numbers meaning nothing. Yep. Max Kepler with four hits. <laughs> You're right. More He had more hits this series than he did in a month and a half in spring training. Uh, 10% to Luis Arise being just an amazing Swiss Army Knife ninja of a baseball player. He can play any position. He can just cut, sort of, hey, uh, something changed. We need you to help fix it. And he can just sort of be plugged into any place. And he, he was going to be the, the, the starting left fielder, and now he's going to play third base for a while. Mm-hmm. So Luis Arise, 20% to Byron Buxton before the mysterious illness, clearly breaking out to start the year here. Looks more comfortable. He's He's... The, the power is there. The speed is still there. Everything. And then 50% of my pie chart of praise to the combination of Jose Barrios and Mike Pineda. Barrios probably gets a little more of that pie because he was more lights out. But uh, big Mike Pineda as a reliable number three starter. Laying the groundwork for the Twins to win those two games against the Brewers. So Rocco, the puppet master. <laughs> spring training numbers meaning nothing. Luis Arise, Byron Buxton, and the two starting pitchers. Get to eat my pie chart of praise. The Rock right. knows how you feel about pie. I will start with uh, just I have three pieces of pie. Just three pieces of pie, two players, and then also one more all-encompassing thing. So I'm going to start 10% of my pie. Goes to Max Kepler for a lot of the reasons we just laid out. A horrible spring, but it turns out it didn't matter at all. He had uh, a home run. He had an extra base hit. He's fine. Max Kepler is absolutely fine, people. You didn't need to freak out. He's okay. He's a good right fielder, too. I don't want. To, I don't like him having to play center. I know Jake Cave will be in center when the Twins play on the Tigers on Monday, which is just makes me want to jump off a building. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I like what Max Kepler does at the plate, and uh, and yes, he had a good series. So ten percent of my pie, twenty percent of the pie to Luis Arise. That's my best round. I, I can I can do it pretty that's good. Not bad. That's pretty good. That's not Arise. Oh no, that's it. good. It's not bad. Yeah, I, no, no, dude. I think we really need an Arise off again. I think oh, you got call, it. Let's call him up. What is he on at two o'clock today? We'll, we'll just call him up. Actually, and we'll have a. Do you we'll think do he'd jump on? If I send him a text, do you think he would? Let me just send him a text while you go okay. through your pie chart. Boom. All right, Luis Arise, 20% of my pie. He had an awesome start to the season, hitting 500 on base machine right now. Hard hit rate is up at 55%. His exit velocity is at 96 look miles at you, an hour. Look at, you bring look at all. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the nerds bringing stats the facts. right now. Dude, hold on, hold on, hold on. Football. There you go. There it is. I love what you're doing right the now. The 55% hard hit rate. Compared to league average, is 39%. So he's mm. absolutely slobbering the ball. It's great to see. Luisa rise, 20% of my pie. And then finally, 70%, my biggest chunk of pie, just goes to pitching. I'm calling it pitching. I know Jose Brios was bullpen. masterful, the, 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 but the bullpen was good. Pineda was good. No, 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 no. It all, it's all in one stew. I of feel pie. like you. I feel like your arise work was so all encompassing that you didn't have the you didn't have the oomph to get through the pitching break. No, no, no. I, I mean, Barrios. What he was all, no almost yeah, a no hitter. Bullpen, we got to talk about the bullpen. Pineda was great. Yep, the, yep, the, the bullpen was great. No, I, all, I don't know about it's this. It's all one encompassing thing. It, it's all one encompassing pitchers. They get seventy percent <laughs> of the pie. The pitching was fantastic. I don't know about this. Fantastic. It was fantastic. It was okay, and even I'll even say this because I lo- you know how much I love him on Thursday seeing Josh Hader just absolutely. Shove on uh, uh, with with a pitch striking Lo- out the side on you ten love pitches. Wisconsin athletes. I love no, I love Josh Hader. No, and you love the Packers. Well, yeah, that okay. Maybe I do like. Wisconsin. Like you love Wisconsin athletes. It's maybe fine. Just admit to it. Maybe just I do. move there, dude. What yeah. are you doing? I, yeah. uh, all right. See you later. Uh, we'll have we'll, we'll be all three different states. It'll be great. Uh, so yeah, last chunk of pie seventy percent. So my pie chart of praise Kepler ten percent, Luis Arise twenty percent, and then uh, 
pitching gets 70% on my pie chart of praise. Can I say just another observation from that series? And, and this might actually spawn a Mount Rushmore discussion. Dan Vogelbach is the <laughs> most Brewers-looking Brewers player I have ever seen. Have you ever that's seen? That's saying something. Have the you Brewers ever, have had a lot of Brewers. I was going to say. I was going to say. Lee Fielder. Gorman, go look up Gorman Thomas right now. Gorman Thomas is the most Brewers. Vogelbach's good. Gorman Thomas though, because you got the facial hair in play, the scraggly hair, and the gut. Gorman Thomas is the most Brewers player ever. I did. You know, a lot, Tim McNiff hit me up over the head. He's like, oh, are you too young to remember Gorman Thomas? Yeah, Gorman yes, Thomas. He played in the 70s. Gorman in Thomas. The 80s. 80s. Yeah, but go look up Gorman Thomas. Like, if, if you could put together an all Brewers looking team, Vogelbach for sure. I think I've Gorman got the, Thomas. Are you going, are you going to, like around the diamond here or Mount Rushmore? You could probably, <laughs> you could probably do it both ways, right? Yeah, you, you, could, probably, you could do both. I mean, they've had, I think they've I, had a lot of guys that look like they, they consume brats and beer. Dude, like Dan Vogelbach literally looks like a bratwurst with cleats and a bat. Like he walks up, he's got a hat on. Yep. He he looks like you could you could run that sausage race with the four sausages and Dan Vogelbach, and nobody would know the difference. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think the Mount Rushmore of br- most Brewers looking players ever. Mm-hmm. I think Vogelbach's on it. You're right about Gorman Thomas. I did a little. I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah, he's hilarious. A, he's George Washington, I think. John Jaha. Oh, John, John Jaha. Jaha. People were saying John Jaha. 90s. Yeah, that's a good one. And who's the? And other? I think I think Prince Fielder, man. Oh, Prince yeah. Fielder, oh, that's a good one too. Prince Fielder has to be on there. Yeah. Now, Prince Fielder claimed to be a vegetarian. Think, a vegetarian yeah. for a few years. Like, did he drink ranch dressing for, with every salad? Like, that was what? my question. Oh. So, so the first time that I read that he had changed his diet, okay, I went to a Twins. Brewers game at the Metrodome, and I thought, oh, my God, he's going to be really thin now, you know, because he's always been a big guy, and now, you know, he didn't look different at all. Like, it, it looked like the same guy. I'm like, hold on a second. How can you remain that big and not, you know, eat meat? Burgers are out, right? The whole thing. Vegetarian bread, lifestyle. Technically, like, like, if you're a vegetarian, oh, you, just you, could li- just, you could eat, like, a loaf of bread every day, I suppose. Prince Fielder's a perfect one, though. That's a great one. I didn't think of him. I should have. Yeah, if you have other, I th- you know, I would say Jeff Jenkins and Jeremy Burnitz also fit the bill. Oh my god, you guys have to see this picture of. I'm gonna send, I'm gonna show you a picture of Dan Vogelbach in the minor leagues here. Right. Just give me a second. Um, but I think if you were to play this game all throughout, like Richie Sexton sort of looks, yeah. but he's not fat. Like he just yeah. he just sort of looks. All right, I don't know if you're gonna be able to see all this right. or not because it's kind of small, but. The picture I'm about to show you here on our YouTube channel is Dan Vogelbach probably like eight years ago as a minor league player. And this is what Declan would look like if you weighed 150 more pounds, more pounds. than, than yes. he currently weighs. Yeah. Can you guys see this? Oh, my God. I don't know if I can zoom oh in my. on this or not. Oh, this oh is... he's, he's chunky. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, his he's... his entire. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty That's a great face. There you go. Oh, my God. Man, he's a, he's a, a baby player. there, too. That's a ball player. I mean, he yeah. he must have been born, checked in at 21 pounds, right? I mean, he looks like, like the he day of birth. Jeremy Burnett and Jeff Jenkins. Can he play sometime guard? When he was Jenkins, Jenkins looks a lot like Favre. If you go look he at does. a Jenkins he picture, look. he looks a lot like Brett Favre. I think if you spend enough time in Wisconsin, everyone just sort of starts to look like Brett Favre. Yeah. Like even the women, like everyone yeah. just starts to look like if you've if you've lived in Wisconsin for 15, 20, 25 years, well, everyone just and starts, Brett everyone starts okay. to wear cargo shorts and Ben Sheets jerseys. Like everyone just starts to it's look the the big, it's the big, the rock big guys. How you feel about pie. They're the best. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, that is your pie chart of praise here. Talking twins on Mackie and Judd. And you, just a cheap plug, you guys and Jake DePew, the artist formerly known as the Curse of Punto on Twitter, yes. are going to break it down even further here. And then the Twins and the Tigers. Although it's, it's always funny, too, when the White Sox just hilariously melt down. Like, they come all the way back. They, they were like, I want to say they were like 0 for 15 or something with runners on base at one point in that game last night, Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. And because the Angels are just a dumpster fire in every way except Mike Trout. <laughs> They made a bunch of errors and stuff, and so the White Sox crept back in, and then boom, walk off home run to slap him upside the head 
and they're one and three to start the year. The key thing was the closer stays in the bullpen unless it's a safe situation. Tony Larusa ain't gonna use the closer unless it's a save, and that was not a save. This is honestly not going to work. Like this is not going to work. Tony is so far. I mean, he is stuck. He is stuck in 1992, and he ain't coming out. It's great news for the Twins. It, it, it really absolutely is. is. But, I mean, he is going to to sabotage them in games, I think, repeatedly. And he's in his mind, he's like, but this is, but this is me. It's the right move, right? Yeah. Quick bet. When does, does Donaldson come back? I'm saying May 4th. Um, wow. Honestly, I think it's later than that. Okay. I don't think it's April. That's for sure. I think it's later than that. I mean, we're a month away from May 4th right now. It's a hamstring. Okay. Give me a date. Um, I would say closer to like May 15th or uh, my birthday, May 20th. I would, if if he's back by my birthday, May 20th. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Declan? I'll say April 30th. I'm just going to cut it. I'm going to put it in April. I'll be lost for the season if he does that. Okay. Uh, That's fine. April 30th. I think part of it is I think they're going to be good without him. Like, I think they're they're good enough to win games without him, especially if Buxton comes back from whatever mysterious illness he had. (laughs) So I don't think there's going to be a need to, like, desperately rush him back. Now, if they dip a few games below 500 and he might start to get the itch to say, I got to come save this thing then we might be talking. So I think they're going to talk sense into him if they're playing well and say, dude, we're not going to do this thing we did last year where you decide you're going to play. Like, you're, we really only need you for October. So yeah. just be smart about this. What really concerns me, though, is did did you see in the Zoom call he did um, on Saturday, I believe, he basically talked about – so when, when he talked about – I think it was at the start of spring training that he had, that he had learned how to run – differently which yeah. which scared me he basically now said that he was was trying to transfer more of the stress to his hamstrings to keep it off his calves um this is why i don't, don't like you can't i don't think you can do this like i don't how think do you that, like we should that should be an athlete challenge for judd how, no how can we yeah, transfer more weight more no. onus and stress on the hamstrings or the glutes but my problem with that is he's 35 years old like he's not a kid i i just think if you put too much pressure on any one thing it's going to give right you know what baseball needs we're talking about ways to fix baseball courtesy runners one one player on each team just gets to use a golf cart you know, you hit the ball. It's just it's just oh, Nelson sitting next Cruz to the baseline. Would have the, no, Nelly yeah, would be like, it. "That's me, man." No, no, no. Well, he doesn't need it as much as Josh Donaldson. <laughs> You're does. right, but he might he might politic for it. <laughs> Jim Tomey, Jim Tomey basically spent the last five years power walking around the bases. Like he'd hit, a, he'd smoke a ball to the you gap, know what, though? and he would just he'd just power walk. You his just way. hit it. That that's exactly. They have to tell Josh if the ball does not leave the ballpark, it's a single, or tease it. Just Ortiz it. Just literally walk to first base and stand there. Then, I really think that's. I think that might be it. I hate to but say it, you, but here. But then, what do you do? So even if you're on first base, okay, someone rips a ball down the right field line. Like now, you got to go first to third. You got. You're gonna have to turn it on at some point. You can't just like not run. <laughs> you know. I don't know. I don't know what. What if you is. became the first guy to really not run? Guys, balls in the right field corner. I can probably get to third base by just walking. Have you seen those? Like, you're right. Power walking. I think there's a power walking Olympic event. I've seen like yes. these high end. Have you guys seen those? <laughs> it exists. Yes, it's, it's, um, it's awful. Yeah, I think like I and I think the rule, you have to have like one heel at on the yes. ground at all times. Mm-hmm. There's actually a phenomenal <laughs> episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Where Brian Cranston is like going through a power walking phase, and he has this ridiculous suit. If you just Google Malcolm the Middle power walking, you'll find a, an amazing picture of Brian Cranston with the most ridiculous outfit. Yes, it's power walk. I actually, I I pride myself on my power walking. Like sure. I, I I am on a mission when I walk. Like State Fair, crowded Target Field. Good luck. Like I will bulldoze over you. Get out of my way. Um. So I actually would athlete challenge. Let's get me into power walking. I'll do it. You can work with Josh. Yeah. That's it. Me and Josh. Declan Goff, power walking coach. Yep. Amazing. Think about he, it. He, he just he's, he's on second base to start extra innings, and someone rips a ball to the right center field gap, and he's power walking his way for a play at the plate. 
No, no, no. We don't want any plays at the plate. We don't want any plays at the plate. <clears throat> Amazing. Um, by the way, another shout out to to our friends at PXG Minneapolis. So, uh, listen if you're if 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 you're sensing golf season here, and you maybe a lot of you have already dabbled. PXG Minneapolis is a golfer's paradise. The new Gen Four clubs have arrived. Drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons. These are PXG's flagship clubs. Hands down, the best performing clubs PXG has ever made, which is saying something. They make really, really good clubs. So uh, check those out and uh, let us know what you think of PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. Let us know what you think of some of the swag, the uh, spring and summer apparel that just arrived in store. PXG.com slash Minneapolis. And uh, that is our pie chart of praise. That's talking twins here today on this Monday. Don't forget a lot of the bonus episodes. Now we've got the sort of mapped out throughout the week, the main episodes of Mackie and Judd, but then bonus talking twins on Monday. We've got um, on the podcast feed, Roycey unchained and rap with Roycey episodes, Judd's hockey show bonus scoop with Doogie. So we uh, we're on our a game right now on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed download record for Mars power walking. Check it out. That's right. We are playing within ourselves on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. And that's a wrap today. We'll see you guys. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.